Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, in the Spanish capital. And joining me today is Craig McGuff. Craig, are you ready for the new season? I am. Very excited. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into, uh, before I get into your final thoughts about your favorite player, my favorite player of all time, just wanted to through some quick admin things. Um, first of all, I uh, just wanted to give an update on our programming because I'm actually going on vacation uh, till the end of August. Finally, uh, <laughs> I've been I've been pretty busy here this summer doing uh, recordings with Barca Talk Cafe and. It's my turn because Mariana right now is on vacation. So it's my turn to go on vacation. I'm headed to the beach. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. And the last thing, I just want to give a quick update on our Patreon community, which has been strong all summer long. Uh, we've had a fun summer recording, like I said, Bars to Talk Cafe all, uh, all summer. And also just the community itself has been really awesome, especially what I've been enjoying a lot is just the banter we have, you know, during these updates that come with Barca the news like the press conference and all that so i just want to give out a quick shout out to these new members that we have and just go from there uh first shout out to elmo mike brochu troy greg richard mensa carlos gilbert guzman angel lopez and trey Sion. you know and like i said our whatsapp has been really amazing for example this past week one of our members uh shared some medical news about his wife finishing some cancer treatment and so our whole community was very supportive, and you know, recently you were touched by cancer. Why don't you tell some of the listeners about what happened to your family recently? Yeah, so thankfully we um, we look like we're at the end of the tunnel. Uh, my mother-in-law uh, has been battling breast cancer for the for the second time, uh, and thankfully it looks like she's she's come through it for the second time, which is which is great. Uh, we recently lost both my myself and my wife both recently lost our our dads from cancer so it's it's an awful disease and sadly i think it affects everyone so um here in in the northeast there's a famous run the great north run which anyone in the uk will have heard of maybe some guys outside of, of of the uk and europe might have heard of it but um it's a half marathon very picturesque um and the plan was to run that but with covid that that's been cancelled so um i've decided uh, on the 9th of september i'll be playing four rounds of golf in a day which seemed like a great idea at the time to raise money. And then I kind of played played 18 holes of golf last week and was exhausted. So I don't know how four four rounds in one day is going to go, but all for a good cause. And yeah, the group was was mega supportive and it's it's re- really appreciated from, from me, from my family, and I guess for anyone battling cancer. For sure, for sure. And uh, we have that information in our show notes. So if you want to get more information about Craig's uh, quest for four rounds of golf, <laughs> 
to help, uh, to, you know, to bring some more awareness to cancer. Because, I mean, everyone, like you said, everyone's been touched by this by some, yes, you know, so. by some family member. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, it's um, good news about your mother-in-law, obviously. And, I appreciate uh, you know, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, like I said, the, the information is on our show notes. And if you want to help, uh, you know, donate in any way, that information is there. After the break, we share our final thoughts on Messi and talk the positives of the Real Sociedad match. All right, Craig, let's get into this. Last week, we received the shocking news that Barca could not sign Messi, and Messi was quickly captured by PSG before we talk to Real Sociedad. Let's just get some of our final thoughts about this you know, truly kind of sad uh, ending to the saga of this Messi you know, renewal that we all thought that was going to happen. You know, and, you know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and reading a lot of information. And, you know, my kind of first question is this, you know, it reminds me of, you know, in the movies when someone is plotting a revenge. Did PSG do this to Barca? You know, just starting with with the Neymar transfer and ultimately getting Messi for free. I mean, this is pretty remarkable. You you know, if you tell me in 2015 that Neymar and Messi were going to be on PSG, and Barca wouldn't be able to sign any players, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, I take your point. I, I don't see it that way. <laughs> to, to me, it feels like, and I, I don't watch really, I don't watch many movies, so I, I should have a reference for this, but I don't, so apologies, any movie buffs out there. But it feels like one of those movies where Mr. Bean, for example, where he just keeps bumbling his way through and getting out of the traps that, that that's set for him. And I think that's what's happened with PSG. I, I don't think they've destroyed us. I think they were the... Uh, they, they had the ignition, to quote R. Kelly, uh, that started us destroying ourselves, and it's continued. So, for example, PSG gave us lots of money for, for Neymar. Uh, it was us that spent it horrendously. Um, you know, PSG just happened to pick Messi up after we'd got ourselves in the mess that we've got ourselves in. So I don't think PSG have proactively done anything to us. We, I think we've done it entirely to ourselves. Um, but to your question about, you know, how do I feel about it ending, I'm actually in a really good place with it, to be honest. I think it's a, it, it's a better ending than we would have seen last season had that happened, and it probably should have happened last season. Um, it's a better ending for the heart, not as good for the head because we got no money for him. Um, but I'm all right. I'm actually the, the rebuild needed to happen. It needed to happen. Maybe we could have got another year out of it, but we needed to move on. And to me, I, I've said this to you once, twice. It was like getting punched in the face, and all of a sudden you've got that moment of clarity. You're not getting it long, drawn out. Um, pain that we had with Xavi and Iniesta to me it was a case of bang smack in, smack in the mouth what do you do next so I, I've got a real sense of clarity about it and I'm very excited about the season messy or no messy to be honest yeah it's a good point I think I was more mentally prepared this time especially of what happened last summer and I think I had already been ready for this and also you know being a professional sports fan uh, the relationship this always happens you know it's very you're very lucky when you have a player, a superstar, a phenom player, plays for your team for more than 10 seasons. And we were all lucky enough to have Messi play for 20, you know, and yeah. that's pretty remarkable. Now, you know, again, I'm very jaded when it comes to professional sports and this kind of romanticism we have. So I was always prepared because it is a business, essentially. You know, here in Spain, especially today when I was watching the news and just watching the Laporta reaction and mm. so forth, you know, I know that Laporta was always trying to sign Messi. I mean, that was always his goal. He rode that on his campaign. But I just really wish that he was just a little bit more upfront with the expectations that Messi could not sign. You know, I wish it was just more upfront. 
maybe he was in his own way, but I just wish he was just more blunt about it so that the turnaround of that Thursday wasn't so shocking as it came down because I, you know, that's really what happened. I think if he had said in June, like, this is not looking good and, and really like laid out the, you know, the, the exact reasons, you know, with this, I think a lot of coolies would have had an easier time accepting Messi not returning this season. Would, would they though? Would they? And I, I genuinely doubt that that's an open, that's an open question. Mm-hmm. I think if, if you break it down, like one, if Laporta doesn't say he's going to renew Messi, he doesn't get elected. I think that's just where we all need to start. Is that we, we said it when elections happened. I know I know I was very vocal about it. The man is as slippery as an eel. Like he would <laughs> he would slip through gaps that you couldn't fit oxygen through. So that's the first thing. Is that whenever you're dealing with a party, you're dealing with a politician and a, and a lawyer, and them two things are arguably as bad as each other. Um, the second thing I would say is that if we take them at face value and say that the the audit was a surprise and it was worse than they're expecting, then and fair enough, the reaction is necessary. The other thing for me is it's kind of like if you ever make plans and you really hope, and I know a few of my friends listen to this, so hopefully they won't think about them. Um, where you make plans and you really hope they don't happen, and then on the other side it pulls out, you're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm genuinely devastated. We're not going to dinner tonight. I wonder how much in Laporte's mind he's secretly glad that Messi's going because they can now start to rebuild properly. Rebuilding, even with Messi taking that salary, the, 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 the figure, the shadow of Messi looms over everything that he took his the rumours of him leaving would have got worse, not better. He would have had to leave at some point soon. Constant questions about, well, Messi should get paid more. Or even worse, it would have been, well, you need to sell him. You can't afford to pay him properly. That's when you would have seen the PSGs and the cities of this world really looming around him like vultures, knowing that Messi's getting paid a quarter of what they could offer him, hypothetically. So I think Laporta publicly is doing what he's doing and he's saying what he's saying. I wouldn't be surprised if privately he's breathing a bit of a sigh of relief. People, if we if we win trophies this year, people will forget about what happened with Messi for a little bit, and then it'll be resigned to history. I, I, I think I think Laporta secretly will be will be slightly happier than most of us that this has panned out the way it has. Yeah, it's a good point because you know without the rebuild, you know, mentality, right? You have to have Messi out of there, right? And mm-hmm. again, this is one of the ways that you do it, right? Like you kind of just say we just can't do it and just kind of blame. But you're basically blaming Bartomeu's board oh, for the reckless spending, exactly. exactly. And saying it was his fault, and yeah. we have to. And you know, I've been preaching rebuild, you know, for the last year at mm-hmm. least since, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, again, you know, I guess, I guess it's just sad because you know, with no fans in the stands, it was not a proper send off, and I think that's what happens. You know, you just you just want that to happen, especially with the caliber and the talent and the phenom that Messi has, and the, you know, the relevant relevance and importance he's been for Barcelona. Yeah, I think that ultimately he may come for like one kind of retirement season or at least one day's t- contract do of welta something like this you know how they do it in the states you don't think yeah, so yeah I, I, no i don't see it i think no. si- signing players in american sports is a hell of a lot easier and, and less bureaucratic than it is in, in <laughs> I, I don't see it i think could, could he, i think he would either come for a season or half a season or he would or he wouldn't come back i don't think he'd come back and retire at, you know like talk of clay matthews coming back and retiring a packer this week which is just ludicrous really um i don't i don't think we'll see that do i see him coming back to barca i, I don't to be honest i think i think the the love that messi has for barca significantly is outweighed by the love that barca has for messi i think in his in his eyes it wouldn't surprise me if he just moves on now i think he'll always hold the club dear but do i see him coming back and being the ambassador that, that was rumored probably not do i see him come back and playing probably not once his family are out the city, I think Messi's the kind of guy laser focused where he, he moves on. Probably, yeah, could be, could be. 
Last two things I have before we close on this. Uh, do you think this changes Laporta's legacy? You know, obviously Laporta, you know, obviously Laporta is responsible for kind of the rebirth, you know, with the whole run Aldinho saga. And now I know that, you know, it's Bartomeu's board that is ultimately physically responsible for all the situation. But do you think this kind of changes Laporta's legacy going forward? I mean, what does he have to do? Because, you know, I can tell you, Craig, I was watching Newsday and the fans were not happy last night. People were mm-hmm. calling him names outside the stadium. They raided his car. So, again, you know, these are the images that I'm seeing here. I, You know, it's mixed on the Twitter. I don't think it changes. I'm still on a wait and see because we have to see the end of his presidency. But, he, you know, he's playing with fire here if he doesn't deliver trophies and deliver yep. a proper rebuild. Well, it depends what Laporte's legacy is, doesn't it? Because for me, I said this many times on the pod before, I remember being a <laughs> the first, my, 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 myself and my wife, that was a harder sentence than it needed to be. <laughs> myself and my wife, the first time we, we ever left the UK together was we went to watch a Champions League game in Milan and I had to explain to her why the, why the, they were singing Barca see La Porta No. Um, and she was like, but is he, is he not your president? Is that not your guy? So to me, in my head, that is still Laporta's legacy. Is Sandra Rosé saying we can't afford to print in colour? It's that, that's yeah. Laporta's legacy to me still. So it depends what you mean by that. Is it, is it a preemptive measure of his legacy from this term? I don't think so. I think trophies will be, back to your point. I think I think if we win the treble, which I know it's a ridiculous statement, and I don't think we will, I think we'll do a domestic double, by the way. But um, I think if we were to win a treble, no one's going to kill us. It'll be resigned history, as I've said. Um, if, if, we, if we don't win a trophy, I can see it being a very difficult year for him. So I don't think it's necessarily his legacy, but um, I wouldn't like to take a new job on in the scenario yeah. that he's got for himself but at the same time I'll, I'll repeat my point i don't think this is necessarily away from the porter's playbook when he took over try and get messy no, no, yeah, yeah. and it's funny because you know do you think he's regretting this uh second term you know this now you don't think so no. i don't think so because if he turns this round if, did you listen to the, the press conference today where he mentioned that you know from now on there'll be no more average players it will be a case of la masia and, and the best out there if you're la porter you've seen you've yeah you, you've got nothing to lose and, and if you see it as the man who comes back and rebuilds La Masia. If you're, sure. if you're, if you see the world Laporte the way the world Laporta does, that's potentially the highest honor you can give is that he takes La Masia from this bit part that's being forgotten about. That's arguably bigger than anything else. If he gets, you know, if, if we all of a sudden see a start eleven all from La Masia again, yeah, that's the biggest bit of kudos you can give him. He's already won everything with Messi. Let's not forget that. So I think that you know the, the the tick in the box of Laporta is that he's got the messy camp publicly for now at least saying no no Laporta's done everything he can he tried everything. Sure Laporta you just move on and hope for the best now. So I I, I don't think I think Laporta's probably all right. This will die down. There'll be another yeah for sure. Soon. Especially especially if the team wins. Obviously that's always yeah, you know we yeah. have everyone has you know five second memory you know so <laughs> you know as look, long as look, they look win. The yesterday you, you know tenth minute of the first half. Messy, messy, messy. Tenth, tenth minute, of the second half when we're what two, two and a at the time, three and a maybe, yeah. and all of a sudden, eh, mixed, mixed yeah, reaction yeah, yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, yeah. we're one of the most fickle fan bases in Europe. Correct, correct, totally, totally. <laughs> they are. Last question, because obviously this could, you know, the Messi move going to PSG could directly, mm. you know, relate to what Real Madrid does in the future. Do you think Mbappe stays, or do you think this is kind of the final straw where Mbappe wants to do his own project and come to Madrid and ultimately strengthen them with a world class superstar? My hunch was that, and this was long before the messy stuff, mm-hmm. I remember it, and that this came through conversations about us signing Haaland, actually. Um, so this isn't linked to the messy story necessarily for me, but when people were saying about Haaland, I was 
I was saying I was convinced that Mbappe would do one more year in Paris and then go to Madrid basically for free. I, th- I, th- I still think that'll happen. I think next summer Mbappe and Haaland both move and that'll be a big story that plays out yeah. when they both go. I think if you're Mbappe now, you must look at it and think, go and win a Champions League with them players and then disappear and go and get a big payday somewhere because if Messi overshadows him in Paris, Mbappe's stock for me is dropping every week. Mm. So if you're Mbappe and you go and win some trophies so you're not in some, some big trophies so you're not deemed a bit of a failure at Paris, which I think he arguably has been, um, and then move on. So to me, it's where I thought he would be. It doesn't change it. Um, I certainly don't think it makes him stay longer to, to argue yeah. that point, but I don't think he'd leave any quicker. How about you? I have, I'm, you know, especially just seeing already kind of the immediate reactions that Mbappe has had with the team and Messi, I can just see him already having one foot out the door. And like you said, just getting that champions, this, this, you know, obviously that's going to be super motivating for them to get the champions uh, trophy this season. And then I could see him going to Madrid next season. Is he, is he not in the same position Messi was in many ways, which is where yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. Madrid can't afford him this season. I don't think. No, no. But this is the thing, right? With, with, with people coming back to the stands. I mean, this is, this is what's crazy about Madrid is like, how are they going to have fans at that stadium where they're playing right now? You know, they can only have like five to 10,000 people there. Yeah. Again, it's complicated. Right. But also more importantly, like, you know, last week with the, with the, with the deal being blocked by Barcelona, Madrid, Atletico and so forth. I mean, they're still trying to pine for the super league. You know, it's all con- you know, it's all, it's crazy. You know, and, and yeah, yeah. the latest rumor too is that Madrid wants to join the Premier League. Like, we'll, we'll, relax, relax here. You know, <laughs> if, if Celtic Rangers can't get themselves in, I, I reckon it's yeah, yeah. probably a step too far, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, dreaming's free, as we always like to say. Well, let's exactly. let's close the book on that. I mean, obviously, you know, we know. I mean, you have a tattoo of Messi. You know, you know my love for Messi. I mean, it's it's you know. I'm excited to see what he does in Paris, just like as a far, just to kind of see what he does with Neymar and that trio. So that'll be interesting. But let's get into last night's match. <laughs> let's get, let's get into last night's match against Real yes. Sociedad. Barca won four to two, and you know, I have to be honest. Like I, they definitely played better than I thought that they were going to play as a whole. But man, I, the first thing I want to really just just highlight is how dangerous or more dangerous we were on set plays than we ever have been, I felt. And I don't know if it's just directly related to Memphis just giving better service right off the bat and understanding that we have some tall players. But I just felt, I don't know how you felt with this, but like, you know, obviously on the PK goal, the set plays just looked like they had more teeth. And that is something we've always been missing for a little bit. And I think having Memphis give these kind of deliveries is going to be a special threat for us in the future. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's very early to make the call that, you know, we, we've now added a new tool to the to the armory. But, um, but that that if you were going to pick one area that Messi was f- just consistently underwhelming, it would be set plays that weren't shots at goal. I think there's no doubt that you know taking taking free kicks, trying to score, is brilliant. But the amount of times we would waste corners and free kicks, the amount of times we've been on this show together, yeah, yeah, yeah. complain saying just give us the just let us go and take the ball back from our own box and we'll start again. Um, so I thought that was pleasing. I think it just it's just unpredictability now, isn't it? And that's I, mean, I mentioned chaos at the top of the show, and I, I mean it with a lot of love, which is so much of what we did with Messi on the pitch was very predictable. Yeah. And I think that stemmed to absolutely everything that we did, including set players. And I think now, if you're if you're setting up to play this Barcelona team, how do you how do you set up to players now? Because it's very unpredictable. And I think the 
hopefully that will get through to every part. And the set plays last night were brilliant. PK's run was so clever. Yeah. Um, yeah. The ball was whipped in with pace, which again, the amount of times Messi would, would fail to beat the first man or it was floated in. Like, it's, you know, if you look at PK's header, he's not putting any force on that ball. He's just directing it. That's exactly what you want when you're attacking a ball. So I think if, if that's something that Memphis gives us more of, then, then brilliant. But also we've got Griezmann who whips a great ball in as well. So we've now got two options, unpredictable again. So I, I can see it being just beautiful chaos this season. And it was a great start for that. Well, let's continue with this theme of unpredictable chaos. And I think, you know, the good thing is that you finally have Griezmann playing in his natural position, right? And, you saw the balance that he uses the left and the right. And obviously with this unpredictability was Braithwaite and Memphis switching those flanks and going, I mean, especially Braithwaite, we have never ever seen a performance by Braithwaite like this, but I'm telling you, Craig, he looked so natural. It was unreal. You know, like he looked like he was playing, you know, you know how when um, American football players, when they train with the parachute, have you seen this? Yeah. yeah. You know, I felt like Martin Bradley finally didn't have the parachute and he was just playing the way I'm not saying, look, I know he had two goals and everyone, especially here today, everyone's like, you know, is Braithwaite going to score like 15? I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm not saying this at all, but I'm just saying the effort and using that right flank and actually getting service from that side was something we haven't done in a long time. And that goes into this chaos that's going to continue because now you don't know where to defend because now, Griezmann's taking him through the middle and he can go left or right. You're rolling your eyes and I already know what you're going to say. So <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me. So th this is the bit where I was hoping that we I wouldn't have to burst some bubbles. Right? <laughs> Gr uh, Griezmann and Memphis were brilliant last night. Really, really good. Worked so hard. Awful to play against. Brathwaite scored two absolute sitters. I know, I know. He, so I, I, on, in the commentary... What the, uh, the, uh, the co-commentator, I think it was Chappie Ferrer last night, said Brathwaite is such a natural finisher. And I was thinking, no, no he's not. No, no he's no, not. No, no, no. And I, so I, I think I think one of the worst things that we can do is to somehow read into this that, that Brathwaite is our solution. I thought no, no, he scored no. two relatively simple chances. He took them well. But any professional footballer, never mind at the top league missing them, would questions will be asked. So I, I actually think... I actually think we learned nothing about Brathwaite last night. The fact that the ball was bouncing around and we got there is probably because of how disruptive Memphis and Griezmann were, though. Well, let's. So okay. I, take I, I, I agree with you on the sitter, right? And also, like, he put on Instagram today, like, I do my talking on the pitch. I was like... Yeah, ludicrous. The, the, potentially the worst thing that his record... Yes, I, was just, I said, pump the brakes. Like, I, you know, you yeah, had a great yeah. performance, but I, I really want to focus on the last goal that he assisted on because that, to me, was the moment because this is also going to relate into the defense that I want to talk about a little bit. In that last moment, he had the, the perseverance to use that right flank, get the edge, make the cross, and obviously your boy Sergio Roberto was there to finish. That, to me, was not happening last season with Martin Braithwaite. Now, that's what I'm talking about, that type of effort, that type of dangerousness that we had, haven't had on the right side, and also setting your desk. Now, I'm, I'm with, I see you rolling your eyes still. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still on a wait and see, right, because this is one performance. Now, it was against Real Sociedad, so we can't just flap against that it was against Alaves, for example. Yeah, yeah agreed. You know, yeah. that type of thing. Let's go back to this. So the other thing I think also that's going to provide is the pressing and the win-back ability that we haven't had in a while, I think is going to jump up twofold a season. Memphis, Martin Braithwaite, and Griezmann, the pressing they did last night, all three of them in tandem was impressive because how many times 
did Sosia get the ball and they didn't know where to turn and the goalkeeper had to kick it out of bounds, for example, or yeah. mishandle pass. And those to me is like the old basic principles of, you know, trying to get the ball back as Barca does. And when all three are working like that and working together, I think those are good things to come. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no doubt. I agree with you. There's no doubt that, that Brathwick works very, very hard. And, and you know, I, I will agree with you as well that he, he was utilising a flank that we criminally underutilised in many ways last year because, you know, Messi was doing amazing things, but he was very rarely doing doing the bits that Brathwick done last night, should we say. But I know which one I'd rather have before anyone gets aggressive, listen to this driving <laughs> to work. I know which one I'd rather have. But I, t- I take your point. The pressing, absolutely. I just hope that Brathwaite isn't there when we start getting into the season. He, he, he did well against a good Sociedad side. He brings a bit of energy. Um, I, I, I think, I think Memphis has crowned Brathwaite a bit last night. Okay. Memphis, and, and I'm sorry to turn this from a Brathwaite chat to a Memphis chat, but what what I was struck with last night was just how much Memphis reminds me of Suarez. Yes, me too. And the reason Brathwaite was able to get to those balls is because Memphis has taken two defenders away. Yeah. Griezmann is horrible to play against. So, I, you know, hopefully we're in a position where we're not relying on one or two goal scorers like we were last year. Because, you know, if we continue like this, fair enough. If Brathwaite gets 10 goals, he's a revelation for us this year. For how much in relative terms he's paid, etc. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, his work rate, absolutely without question. But I think better players made him look better last night. And yeah, the social media presence on it was, was ridiculous. Um, you know, I'm glad he got man of the match. Night, lovely moment for him. But I mean, you're not missing those chances. And, and that's all yeah, I can yeah. think of is that he will probably never have two easier chances than he got last night. Although a bit of bravery on the first one, a lot of, a lot of players could have ducked out sure. of that. In sure. Fairness. Well, let's, let's break this down because... You, I think you hit it right on the head. Uh, Memphis reminded me of Suarez too, young Suarez, right? When he first yeah, came to Barca, fighting for everything. And I, that's almost kind of the thing. It's like, I kind of want Memphis because last night he was getting hacked all over. It's just like, don't put everything in these first three games because we need you for the rest of the season. Because, again, like we said, a revelation and just the tenacity he was, the way he was holding the ball and distributing was awesome to see because we haven't had that in – I you know, in the last two years, essentially. And just to see that again, and also just the freshness and the pace that he brings, because that's the other thing. When we were talking earlier this summer, I just didn't realize how quick he was with the ball and also just how he's finding those gaps. And like you said, he's going to create havoc for the defense. But also, you know, that's a nice thing to have when he's occupying those two. Braithwaite's going to be able to, you know, basically get those leftovers and those easy, you know, putaways, essentially. I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully someone else plays. (laughs) <laughs> but I take your point. I take your point entirely. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually think what we'll see is Brathwaite. If he stays, Brathwaite will probably be Messi's replacement. Uh, Messi's. Uh, Memphis's de- um, replacement, replacement. Is, is what I see. I think yeah. Brathwaite will be asked to do a similar job last 15, 20 minutes of games. If Messi's, uh, I'm doing it again. If Memphis is taking a hide in, <laughs> this, this is going to take some getting used to. If Memphis is taking a bit of a kick in, I can see them getting swapped out because Brathwaite in theory can do what Memphis is asked to do. You can go and just make life difficult for defenders. You don't have to yeah. beat players the way Memphis does. You don't have to, you know, that, that little reverse pass through to Alba yesterday was beautiful for um, third goal, I think it was. Yeah. Um, really, really good. You know, Bradford doesn't have to do it. It just has to take one or two defenders away. And that's where we get the overload. If we press on the front and we're also able to get an overload on defenders, that's how we'll get goals again. And that's very that's very 2014 Barca, 2014, 2015 Barca, which was brilliant to watch. So I think that's where Bradford's role will end up. Hopefully we see, 
I'd like to see see Fatty in there. I think if we have someone that can really run in behind with electric pace, if you're if you're Memphis and Griezmann, you almost invert that triangle a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. That could be amazing to watch. So you know, hopefully Brathwaite has a role, but hopefully it's not the role that he's got. I'd love to see I'd love to see Memphis and Griezmann kick on together. I think they could be an absolute handful. They could be yeah. they could be what what we had with Etu and Ornery. Ooh. Just just pace, power, yeah, yeah, yeah. work rate, working back. I mean, Griezmann at times was a better defender than, than Piquet and Garcia yesterday. They were great great games, by the way. Um, you know, he's just everything. And I just I'm excited by that. By the yeah. by the final third of the pitch. I'm just not excited by Brathwaite being in there. Well, perfect transition, because that was gonna be my next question. It was the PK thing. PK played on the left side uh basically for the first time. And he was paired up with Garcia. We had a lot of chat in our WhatsApp group about why isn't Araujo starting. Mm. You know, I thought it was an interesting move. I mean, obviously, Sociedad didn't put too much pressure in the match. I mean, I think Barcelona did a pretty good job of keeping them at bay, except for that, like, last 10 minutes, of course, at the end of the matches. We always like to to do that. Um, but what do you think of Pique and Garcia's partnership? Do you think that is going to be the first partnership going forward. And do you see Arahu breaking into this or do you just think Kuman is going with Garcia from now on? What I would love, and I'm not going to answer your question here, unfortunately, what I would love is, <laughs> what, what I would, genuinely, what I would love is that we don't have a settled partnership. Okay. Because one of the problems that we've had historically is that we've had, a, we've had an absolute rock solid central defender partnership and then someone else came in, we looked a mess. If we had a position where them three learn to play in all of the possible combinations together, because all three should complement each other. You've got PK, big, strong leader, go and win the ball in the air. You've got Garcia, rapid at the back, go and clean up. Araujo is kind of a combination of the two in many ways. If we get a situation where all three of them are comfortable playing with each other, that's what we need. Like That would be the dream. And that, that's, what, that's what I hope that we see with Koeman is that is that we we can chop and change them because it's detrimental to us when we don't have that. You know, when all of a sudden Umtiti starts and, all, and, and it's panic stations. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. This this has been long before Umtiti was here at the club. We've had this for a long time where you know our third choice central defender was someone we didn't want to we didn't want to play really. So that that's my dream, and also I hope that they become used to playing as a three as well. Yeah, it's a good point. Change. I mean, this always goes back. Do you think Kumin? <laughs> has has the you know basically the balls to do that because that's the thing is you know like with last night's substitutions you know it kind of you know it almost looked like a five back just trying to protect the lead again mm-hmm. and it wasn't until a counter that we scored that fourth goal but again you know being a coach of Barca right you have that fine line of just trying to get the victories and able to experiment to how much right because like you said I would love to see more rotation I was talking with a co-worker today about how you know, in this era, Kuman really needs to do more rotation and to give more confidence to these players so that if they are called upon, and it's not because of break glass of emergency like we had with Minguesa last year, we're like, oh, by the way, he can play uh, because we only had, you know, we had no one left, but we need to be able to bring these players up so that when they're called upon, they have the confidence, they know how to play with each other. And I think it's a great idea, but again, does Kuman do that? You know, that's the thing, because I would love to see Arahu get more time rotate with PK and Garcia and see how that goes and eventually maybe going into a three. Yeah, I think it does. I think the one thing that the one thing I don't think you can accuse Kuman of is being is being weak in his decision making. I think he's brave, borderline stupid. <laughs> uh, 
maybe Stuart's a bad word. Reckless, maybe is a better word. You know, I, th- I think he's brave almost to a fault. He, he, yeah, he, will yeah, say, yeah. he will say what he feels and he will do what he thinks. You know, you, he's seen it with, it, with, it, with the comment of Messi where, yeah, Messi's gone now and he's closed the book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell, Ronald. Like, you might be thinking it, but wow, okay. You know, and I, and I don't think I don't think we need to worry about whether Koeman is brave enough to do something. It's whether it's the right thing that he's done. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think I think if you're if you're Koeman, that must be in your thinking because surely you can see the talent of those three. Again, it's a per- if if he gets it right, it's the perfect scenario by which yeah. we can we can have PK's influence, but we don't need to overload his legs because we've got two ready-made first-team international players that we can blood in, and then as in ideal world, as PK almost like a sound, almost like a sound mixing desk. As you're phasing PK out over the next eighteen months, two years, three years, you bring Nico through, and you and you you start the cycle again. That would be the dream, right? Because then it's going to cost us no more money than what we've paid, etc., etc., etc. So, I I think if we can ship Umtiti out and get a bit of cash, it looks like he might be based on recent activity of training and match day squads and whatnot. I would keep Longley around just in case, but I think we can try and move him on. I think at centre half we're actually in a good position, and I think Kuman, Kuman knows that position better than anyone, right? So hopefully yeah. you see what's in front of him, and I, I, I'm really confident. And I, I, yeah, as I say, I would love, I'd, I'd love us to get to a point where we don't know which two are starting any game, and we also don't care. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I just want to finish this with the last thing. Uh, can we give Pedri vacation? I mean, I cannot believe oh, that he played last night. I, I. I He's our crown jewel right now. And I I cannot believe that Kuman played him last night. When I saw him on the starting 11, I don't know how you felt, but I was just like, please, like, make the decision and know your players, especially Pedri, who's so young and played the most matches out of anyone, essentially, in the calendar year. Don't play him till mid-September or something. Like, we'll be okay. Yeah. We have depth at midfield right now to intertwine with that, especially with Demir and we could use Ricky Pooj for these first games. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, it's a difficult one. And so the, the two players that played the most minutes in Europe last season were <laughs> Pedri and Pedri and Callum McGregor, who is captain <laughs> now of Celtic. And obviously I've, anyone who's not follow Celtic, Celtic as well. Callum McGregor is a, fen- is a phenomenal player. Uh, without being disrespectful to Celtic as a club, he should certainly be playing in a better league. That's how I'll try and get myself out with that one without losing okay, friends. Okay. Um, <laughs> and and I had this, I had the same feelings of both of them when 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 they start playing. The diff, the difference being this weekend is that Sociedad are a very difficult team, and I get it. I would be content. So we've got Athletic next. We've then got Hitafe. I would be happy for Pedri to play against Athletic, but we've got to be looking at a change for Hatate because we should be beating them slightly easier than we should be beating Athletic, I would say. You know, be, beyond that, certainly the next game that looks like, you know, we've got Athletic, we've got Hatate, mm-hmm. we've got Sevilla, then we've got Granada. If he plays that Granada game, irrespective of what's happened between now and then, then we've got to ask some serious questions about where we see the replacements in, in that squad. But uh, yeah, I look, at, I look at Pedri, I look at Callum McGregor, and I just think, God, there's got there's got to be an alternative than running these guys yeah. into the ground, you know. It's it's yeah. it's sad to see, but but then his quality on the ball is just. It's just I know, I know it is, but we, I mean, especially with Pedri, like I know we, he had a good game last night, but the thing is, like, I especially against Hitafe, he cannot play against Hitafe, and I would even sit him against Athletic too because Athletic could take some hacks at him as well. Or at I'm least, just. 
was going to say, or, or at least, you know, l- let's hope we go a few goals up at half-time and we yeah. can't see him getting him subbed out. But, you know, if he, if he plays the next four games and plays 90 each game, then we can't, we can't be doing that. But just playing devil's advocate, and I was thinking this last night, is that all the noises out of the club are that he's he wants to play. Like, you've then also got... You had the same problem with Messi as a youngster, right? Which is, Messi would say, no, no, I'm playing. And he would get annoyed if he didn't. If Pedri's got the same drive, then Koeman's got a very difficult decision here because you don't want to you don't want to have him burn out. But to keep the analogy, you also don't want to burn him out. So you can't allow him to burn himself out any more than you can burn him out by playing him. So I think if that if that's what's happening, it's a big if. Obviously, I'm just massively casting <laughs> casting on there and seeing what comes back. But if if that's the case, and I feel for Koeman a little bit because. That's a very hard thing to manage if that's what's happening. If the noises are true and that Pedri is almost semi-demanding to play, what do you do? Sit him. You're the coach. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, Pedri is still not – I mean, Pedri's Pedri, and he has the great future, and we see what he is, but he's still not a superstar yet, and he doesn't – he cannot demand that. Kuman has to be smart to utilize his time to use other players and just survive and get the maximum points out of the summer – especially with players who played in tournaments this season and this summer. I agree. You know, and the thing is, yeah, he could demand to play and stuff. I'm sorry. You're going to play after Hitafe and that's it. Take yeah. the break. I, I'm glad he wants to be playing. He wants to be involved. I applaud that. But I'm sorry. I'm the coach. I'm looking out for your for your future, and I want you to take some rest because I need you for the rest of the season. I'm not going to just burn you out, like you said. I think it's a very easy decision, but again – I understand that Kuman has a small window of his contract and stuff, and so he doesn't really. He's just going to maximize the players and try to get as many wins on his end. So I understand show. that, right? So that's yeah, great, that's part that's of the great, That's a great point, actually. Yeah. So for him, it's just you know basically just using the cavalry. You know, he's yeah. he's just like I, I have one year contract, baby. Like, <laughs> I yes, I love the club and so forth, but my goal is not to preserve Pedri for five years. Like, I'm going to use him like a video game. You know, when you play FIFA. And remember when the players would be like tired, you'd be like, yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. I could squeeze out a, another game out of this guy, you know, like whatever. I don't really care. It's a video game. So maybe Kuman has the same idea. Well, like you said, the next game is against Athletic followed by Hitafe. So these will be some tough matches. You know, like I said, I'll, we'll have a Barca talk on August 30th after the Hitafe match. And I'm really looking forward, like you said, the unpredictability chaos. I like that. I think we should make that into a T-shirt. Unpredictable <laughs> chaos. Uh, for Barca this season, but I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks, Craig, for joining me, and we'll talk soon. Take care. Thanks for listening, and until next time, Forza Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.